In this episode of the Howler Spotlight, we've journeyed down to Charleston, South Carolina to meet with Lee Cohen, newly appointed president of the Charleston Battery. Lee comes with a vast amount of experience within the U.S. soccer pyramid and looks to make Charleston a household name on the U.S. soccer map. Enjoy. And we're live. We're live. Howler Spotlight episode four, five, this is? I think this is... Five. five. Episode five. Yeah, they keep getting so. better. Yeah. <laughs> I bet it wasn't six. That's my favorite number. Oh, oh really? Were you man. a six? Were you number six in the back in the day? I was. I okay. Was. All right. Wow. We could try and film a quick one somewhere if you know somebody. Yeah, we'll bring someone in. We got, we got, the, the street. Uh, got the team right here. We can get yes, someone on. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Lee, it's been about one and a half months since you were officially named a club president of Charleston Battery since we haven't said it in person. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. So, in that time, I know it hasn't been too long, but what have you seen so far that's made Charleston separate from any other club you've worked with? And you have worked with quite a few at this point. Yeah, it's interesting because I, you know, the intro to the the show here talked about how you know making this historic club it already is, mm. and that's what makes this thing and this project so special for me. Uh, playing against the Charleston Battery, you know, obviously being with the Tampa Bay Rowdies for so long. There was a mad hatred for this club. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was definitely like, <laughs> when you're asking club. who the rival was for the battery, or for the, for the Rowdies, it was the battery. Yep, mm. yep. And now I've just, like, joined the other side here. So uh, it, it's because of the, the ownership group. It's like, look at where we're sitting in right now. This I know, it's a beautiful, ba- we're going to get some videos out for people that can't see us, but yeah. it's beautiful scenes behind us. So. It's a little bit different from Boston. I was going <laughs> to say, you, you told me you were from Boston. I'm like, yeah, no, yeah. Not, not happening. So, yeah, it, it, there's just so much good opportunity here. This community is fantastic. The city's unbelievable, and, and just the right opportunity for me and my family to come here mm. and, and, and be a part of this club now. Now the Rowdies are the bitter rival. It's like, yeah, I hate right. them now. now <laughs> was there some bad blood? Not to get too personal with it, but was there some bad blood with you coming over here? Uh, getting some messages on getting messages. It's like, well, my best friend hasn't like, spoken to me in, uh, <laughs> since I left. But, uh, that might have something to do. Definitely, with. some of the supporters are like, well, yeah. "What are you doing?" Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, no, a really great relationship with all the the staff. Uh, Neil Collins, the head coach there, mm-hmm. is, is, is like a best friend of mine. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. Uh, and so it's uh, it's going to become an even more fun rivalry now. So mm-hmm. yep. it's exciting. Make got that friendly edge to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can talk good trash. Uh, it's funny too. Because uh, the first day, my first official day was against the Tampa Bay Rowdies. No way! Wow, wow, that is. Was it home, or did you have to move here and then immediately go all the way back? <laughs> I don't know where I was at that point. So it's funny you said I've been here for a month and a half. This is like the first full week I've actually been. No here. way! Yeah, okay, so yeah, so caught so me on a, yeah. on a good one. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So right now the record against the Rowdies is one and zero. So I'm I'm, abs- I'm I'm undefeated. That's, undefeated. Undefeated. <laughs> That's great. Coming with a bang, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. That's awesome. Um, as far as being, what's something that goes into being a club president that some ordinary people might not expect? Like whether yeah. it's challenges or something that you personally really enjoy. Yeah. So when things are going great, it's uh, everybody else. When things are going bad, it's the club president. Mm-hmm. No, it, it's interesting. So you know, I have a, a I'm a very inclusive leader. Uh, I'm as good as the individuals that are around me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's from the supporters to the front office, to the kit men, to the families that we're surrounded with. You'll, you'll hear me never say the word culture. 
Mm. Uh, it's interesting because yeah. I don't believe in it. I believe in values. And okay. I think people throw around this buzzword culture like all it's the just time. all the time. Yeah. And it's like, oh, we have a great culture. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. And so as a club president, you know, it's, it's a little bit different because you've got to figure out how to connect with everybody in the organization to feel like they have an ownership piece in it. If they do, then you move as one. Uh, it's, it, it, I'm a big bus guy. And so are we all sitting in the bus and we're all sitting in the right seats and we're all moving in the right direction. Yep. Our owner's a big canoe guy. Love it as well, too. So is a canoe moving in the right direction and we all working together as one team. And so the, the job of a, of a club president at this level is to make sure everybody has a vision, understands from top to bottom what we're trying to do and how we can all work together to have this club become basically uh, this family organization in this community that everyone's proud of. No. That's well said. And you, you, uh, you had mentioned that in the article that was released and you being announced and you talked about how like growing the club more so in the city of Charleston. Do you feel that there's a big soccer presence already? Obviously, besides the yeah. club, like on a youth level and stuff like that, the opportunity for players to kind of make their way through. I do. I, I do. I think we've got to provide a pathway for those individuals, mm-hmm. whether it's coming into training and preseason, coming in on a regular basis during what would be the summertime when they're out of school. Uh, and showing them the opportunity that they can be here at the point and have a great chance to become a professional player. And if they can't, then there's other ways that they can be a part of the business. There's internships, there's jobs, there's scouts, there's all types of different avenues that we can get people involved. doesn't necessarily have to be the 11 on the field. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Definitely. What would you say, I guess, your most enjoyable piece of being a president has been? Besides, obviously, you have those values that you really hold true, yeah. but I guess what's the most enjoyable part about it? I mean, winning. Winning, okay. <laughs> Fair it's, enough. Uh, beating the Tampa Bay Rams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. now. I just uh, unplugged the speaker. Oh, no worries, no worries. It happens. I've done it like a thousand times. We've never had any technical difficulties on this podcast, <laughs> yeah. so that's the first one. You're <laughs> seeing this live. No, Anything no. has ever gone wrong right there. <laughs> the amount of times we've had mishaps is, oh, don't even get me started. But yeah. yeah. I, I, listen, I, I think for me, it's, it's in, when, when you define the word winning, it's not necessarily what's happening on the field. So team wasn't this great this year, but we had a sold-out crowd the, the season finale. Mm-hmm. That's winning. Yep. Uh, we didn't win the game. We tied 1-1. But the emotions that everybody left with was a winning emotion. Uh, they felt like they are a part of something. And mm-hmm. that is what I, I kind of thrive on most. It's, 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 it's interesting. We aren't in an industry like, yeah, I, I pulled the headset out, right? And if that didn't work, then maybe one of us loses our jobs, right? Yeah. <laughs> We're That'd be Connor in this case. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Well, You're down to one. two days a week, man. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, if you think about it, you can lose on a Saturday and people still love you on a Monday. You can mm-hmm. lose on the following Saturday. People still love you on that following Monday. People are, it, 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 if the stock market crashes, people are out of jobs. Yeah. In this industry, like the club is going to be there and the fans are going to be there for them. I would say, right, we don't do it for ourselves. Nobody in here, right? The guys that are in the front office, the girls in the front office, the staff, they're doing it for two groups. Trick question. Who are the two groups they're doing it for? Fans. Bingo. One. And themselves. The players. The players. players. Got it. Yeah. So we as an organization are doing it for the fans and for the players and for the fans on Reddit to destroy us on Monday after you've just won like 10 in a row and you lose your first one. Reddit on a Monday after a loss, (laughs) not a good place to be. Or Twitter. (laughs) Or Twitter. Or anywhere for that matter. (laughs) Do you feel 
like because you've had so many years experience with the Rowdies and it obviously is a large change of scenery here, but do you feel like you have a pretty good grasp on the league as a whole, obviously in terms of relationships with other owners, other coaches, just your circle of people within this, within this sport, not necessarily just within Charleston. Do you feel like you have a pretty good circle at this point? If you needed to reach out to somebody, you could. Yeah, it's, it goes both ways. I think there's a lot of individuals that reach out to me mm. uh, on a regular basis. Yeah. I've been ingrained. So I, uh, coming through as an intern in USL in 2005, Wow. If you think about it, right, 17 years in second division soccer, there's not many of us that exist. And so <laughs> it, uh, it's given me a, a, this big network of individuals, right, whether it's through the media, whether it's through the league offices, mm. through the teams, and then players and agents. Yeah, uh, I have such a good network of individuals that I enjoy working with on a regular basis. Uh, someone said to me, funny enough, they said, I went to – Atlanta, Edmonton, Minnesota, El Paso. He, they say, how did you go from Tampa to Charleston? I said, maybe I'm good at what I do. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a <laughs> that's good a point. Good, that's a good answer. It's <laughs> tough to rebuke, that's for sure. And, and I guess, like, speaking more on your, your background and, and your, your startup in, in U.S. soccer, can you speak more to that, obviously, yeah. in, in kind of that? The come up. The come up, yeah. Yeah, the come up. So, yeah. interesting. I was not a soccer guy. Didn't, didn't really okay. play. Uh, I grew up playing. Not, sorry to cut you off. I did try looking you up on like a, your college like career. Yeah. If you had a college career at all, I couldn't yeah. find it. There's no Lee Cohen on there's the no Wikipedia page. Yeah, I no- go right to Wikipedia. <laughs> I'm not sure what that says about me, but I do the same when I look at every player. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, we did some. Writers. We tried to find some digging into like if you had played, playing but career, we couldn't. We yeah. couldn't find it. Yeah. No, so I grew up a baseball guy. Okay, uh, went to college at Flagler College in St. Augustine. I've done really, really well. So I grew up in Cocoa Beach. Yeah, jeez. Went to college at Flagler College, which is St. Augustine, and then my adult life in Tampa and now in Charleston. If you visited Boston, you'd drop dead immediately. (laughs) (laughs) Your body would just shut down. (laughs) I'm definitely, this week it says it's supposed to be getting the 50s, and uh, I'm uh, bundled up on the down job. You got to visit Grayson in in January and come up and have a beer with him. The beer thaws. Definitely. So. Uh, it was interesting. It was 2004, I was doing an internship between my junior and senior year of college, and I went to a place called the Cocoa Expo, which was like the Olympic development camps that were always held, and I thought I was going into the baseball department. I showed up, and they were like, yeah, you're going to be in the soccer department. I was like, I don't know anything about soccer. <laughs> Go work for a PDL team that we have, uh, PDL, which is equivalent to League Two, yep. mm-hmm. and I ended up going into the soccer world at that point in time. Uh, 2005, I had to do an internship to graduate, and I reached out to the USL and said, listen, like, this was interesting. I'd love to do an internship in the PDL. That was 2005. 2006, I came on as the assistant director, and in 2006, the housing market was absolutely unbelievable. Mm. And the guy who was running the PDL at the time, his dad was in the tile industry, and was like, yep, so long. I've been in this for 10 years. I'm going to go work in an industry that I can actually uh, – make money (laughs) and I was 23 at the time and turned over the keys to fourth division soccer in this country and so I was running the PDL oversaw 70 franchises and so if I look at say 2006 to where we are now in 2022 the game has drastically changed but it's changed because of the ownership groups yeah we're not talking about mom and pop owners anymore you're talking about legitimate business individuals that are owning these clubs investing into soccer from all levels yep, yep. Mm-hmm. and and helping push this game into a new platform yeah. i grew up in the madden era mm. so mm-hmm. the madden era was definitely driven the nfl to that next level yep. the generation that's coming now is growing up in the fifa era 
and that That's is cool. what's taken this sport to the next level. Right. If you really, really think about it, it's 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 the FIFA global game, PlayStation, yeah. Xbox, whatever they're called. Yep, yeah. yep. That's for sure. And, and it's just it's just made this global game. On the investing front, because that was an interesting uh, avenue. Um, you mentioned now there's a lot of legitimate business people looking yeah. to get into this sport. And I feel like that's kind of been more of theme as of lately, right? And that's in the world, right? Top levels. Wrexham, yeah. two relatively uh, inconspicuous actors go by that <laughs> football club and turn that around. Do you see that happening um, on a similar scale in the USL? Is there interest there from, from people that are local that want to get yeah. into this? So w- what I would say is the Wrexhams of the world, right? The Ted Lassos of the world, like these te- Sunderland till I die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's given so much spotlight on oh, yeah. this global game and and what it's done is it, it's actually probably taken three or four years for it to catch like the ownership groups are already here yeah in the last three to four years this spotlight like when ryan reynolds comes into it like oh he's the greatest owner in the world yeah but no one really knows much about Wrexham prior right. to that yeah yep yep and so oh, now man. it's just turned this into what i would say it, it's probably gone two different directions so previously american investors were investing in american clubs and european investors were investing in european clubs Mm -hmm. and i'd really say like when sunderland till i die came out there's more american investment that was going abroad and now you're seeing more global investment coming into this country Mm. i think both of them are seeing this opportunity to take advantage of having multiple clubs in different different parts of the world player transaction player movement and then just uh, right the the dollar has now actually become very very strong globally and so the american dollar is competing with the euro and it's uh, that exchange rate makes the american dollar more powerful so these american owners are going and, and buying those clubs uh and obviously american owners own one of the most global brands in manchester united that mm-hmm. yep. is. not very liked but not, <laughs> not, not very liked but you can see that there's just the, the investment in yep. these clubs. It's like buying a piece of real estate. Mm-hmm. And how do you grow your asset over time? Right? Yeah, it's kind of the untapped market as well from like a sporting perspective in yeah. a way. Especially in the States. I mean, look at this. Well, right. and, and I think, yeah. about, right, if you, if you really, really break it down even more, like there's only 24 USL teams. Mm-hmm. There's 20-something MLS teams. There's 30 Major League Baseball teams, right? There, there's, there's not a lot of opportunity to put on the jacket and the Masters. Yeah. Well, how do you put on the jacket in the sports world? You've got to own one of these sports franchises. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and it's a great opportunity for these individuals to network with other businesses that they have. So it, it is it is honestly like a chamber of some sort. It's your community chamber of just the world. Yeah. And to your point of the whole docu-series and like shows that we see, the social media aspect has gone has given these teams a lot of ability to be out there and to pe- for people to see them. Because even in the Rexham documentary, you're seeing – kind of ignorant American and fans or owners be like, oh, well, I don't even know anything about soccer. And then really they're introduced the into it. And well, this seems fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And People I think like, this is my whole life. And, yeah. and I, <laughs> yes. it's and everything I, I care about I, more than my family. <laughs> yeah. And I yes. think that goes a long way in kind of opening the eyes to other Americans that may be yeah. hesitant or be like, oh, I don't like the game. It's boring. They all flop. It's whatever. But I think it gives an opportunity for a club like Charleston or another club in the USL to for people to see it and be like, oh, this is an interesting sport. Let me get yeah. into it. And let me pick this club as the local one. That's support. correct. Yeah, and, and what I would say to our attention to uh, time that we now have is a lot less. Yeah. And if you think about this sport can magnify the amount of attention we have as, as adults, as consumers, you, when you want to 
go to an NFL game, right? If you're going to a Patriots game this year, mm-hmm. you might as well block the entire day. Yeah. <laughs> right? if yeah. you, you've got a four and a half hour, whether you're traveling in, you're going to the game, then the post, and you've just, it's a, usually a one o'clock on a Sunday. So you, mm-hmm. your, your Sunday's done. Mm-hmm. They play in a shopping mall, so it's almost too good a point. Like, you're driving through a mall before you even get to the Patriots game. Right, so shop. Yeah, yeah, it's a whole thing. Hop the chairs up, tailgate. Mm-hmm. But if you so come long. here, you can tailgate, do all that within, I'll call it two hours. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you can make it back downtown in ten minutes, and you could be at a nice restaurant yeah. or social night. Or home team barbecue, which was recommended to us, which uh, apparently unbelievable. is unbelievable. So you've been? I have. Okay. I have. I, and I'm a big barbecue person, so it worked out really, really right well on. for me. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's amazing. Um, you mentioned, obviously, coming off a tough season with, with the battery, yeah. and you obviously you're new into the role itself. But you mentioned already those recipes of success in terms of values. But what, what, what else can you talk about in terms of success and building success besides that? Yeah, for me, you've got to have a roster that is built with the understanding of high character, high energy, high values, understanding the role that they play in an organization. So it's when the game ends, they've got to be the ones that are out here signing autographs for a half hour afterwards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that are going to, like, that little kid that comes in is going to say, I got Augustine Williams' jersey. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And, like, 15 years later, he's still wearing the jersey. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, shredded up. Yeah, yeah. Numbers falling off. Yeah. 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 He like, probably didn't wash it for, like, a week afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> right? yeah, lost, yeah. It's probably still not washed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the ink from it is faded. Yeah, right? yeah. But at the end of the day, it, you have to have players that like understand what they're playing for. Right? Mm-hmm. You can't. You, you have to come here one first and foremost. You want to win. Mm-hmm. If you think you're coming here to retire because Charleston's a great area, or you think you're coming here to enjoy the sun and sand, that is an aspect of it. But it's not like that's the wrong reason. Number one priority: you have to want to come here to win, to make this organization proud. And the reason I say it is, there's so many individuals that work behind the scenes that want to win, that are trying to push this club to win, and you have to feel that same type of energy that they have. And you've got to be bought into this mentality of it's not about me first. It's it's not about the name on the back. It's about the crest on the front. And whether I'm a starter or a sub or a role player, like your impact on the entire results that we have over 34 games is based upon how we come together as a unit. Right. And you've got to be bought in, first and foremost, a team mentality. Team mentality, team mentality, team mentality. If, we, if you have 15 goals in an individual mentality, you'll have 25 in a team mentality. Yeah, that's true. What that's does true. player recruitment look like moving forward as you head into this offseason? You mentioned looking for the right yeah. players. How involved are you personally in player recruitment? Is there a team that you work yep. with that yep. you know will oversee that? Yeah, I was looking at the U3 right now are going to be our biggest recruiter. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Sign me up. Yeah, you know, I'm ready to move down Let here. Let me take a couple crosses for you. Just tell me what you think. Be honest. I didn't say we were signing you. Yeah. I just said you're going no, to We're going to be recruiting. Yeah, we'll be out on the front lines. Yeah, so I, I, I would say probably a very different style than, than most as a present general. I will never select a player in, in our organization. Just not for it, right? It mm-hmm. all needs to be driven by the head coach. Mm-hmm. No owner, no no front office staff, not myself, will ever select a player or impose a player on someone else. It's interesting, right? Uh, Ted Lasso, I'm a big Ted Lasso fan. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, but I'm a big Ted Lasso fan because I think there's a little bit of Ted Lasso in each and every one of us. And so favorite episode is the darts episode. And I don't know if you recall the darts Seen the darts episode, yeah. I didn't get to watch it yet, but. <laughs> it's right, you, you still got time. You're yeah. <laughs> 
so within the episode, it's interesting because he's he's in a bar and they're playing darts and he's just kind of putzing around and he looks at the other owner of the club and says to him, essentially like, if you beat me in darts, you get to pick starting eleven for the rest of the year. If I beat you in darts, uh, then you basically have to step away from the club. And the owner pulls out his darts and he's like, "Oh, look, I carry my darts with me." Mm. He goes, oh, look, I'm left-handed. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and essentially comes down to the very end, and, and he's down 150 you know, points, and he turns and says, what do I need to get? It's like two triples and a bullseye. And he hits the first triple, and he basically hits the second triple, and he's, he, he says so many people judged him essentially in life and were never asked the right questions. They weren't curious. And so my job, right, within the entire organization, right, whether it's player side or business side, is to be curious, to be curious Mm -hmm. and ask the right questions. So Mm -hmm. when a player is provided to us through an agent or through yourself or an owner or a staff member, is to ask the right questions. Does this player fit into our philosophy? Does this player fit into our model? And then if so, then why are we selecting him? If a coach comes to me tomorrow and is like, we're bringing in Salah. Mm -hmm. Like, great, but does he fit into our system? Let's just mm-hmm. not take the best player into the world. Let's take the best player that fits into the battery DNA. Right. Yeah, that yeah. makes, makes Despite sense. Despite talent, it's like it could rip a team apart if it doesn't drive the right idea or philosophy. Like Correct. Low, at low levels in training, whatever it might be, Correct. can kind of kill it from the inside out. Correct. Do you find at this level that a lot of players – might look past their current position or opportunity here with eyes on things above it? Or yeah. is that something that is just kind of a misconception maybe in the public eye and a lot of players do value this opportunity, do drive, put the work in, and kind of grind yeah. while they're here? Like, is yeah. that a difficult thing to find? Or is it more just talented players coming yep. through? So I, w- I would say five years ago, mm-hmm. it was more of that problem. You had players looking at cities like Charleston, Tampa, previously San Diego, maybe when they were coming in. They see, this is a great opportunity. I'm just going to go. I'm going to get a contract. I'm going to live in these beautiful cities, and it's just about seeing out the rest of my career. And then this transition has happened within within the USL, and I think some of it's just based upon the desire to succeed, whether it's through the Open Cup or whether it's through league competitions. Players are getting younger in this league. Players are becoming more competitive. Players are seeing the opportunities to, I would say, you know, that 15 to 18-year-old are saying, I can go sign a pro contract, and I can get, by the time I'm 19, anywhere from 70 to 100 games under my belt at a pro level that, like, what 18-year-old has played 100 games in the mm-hmm. States at a pro level mm-hmm. in, in a, in a man's sport? Yep. Yeah, yeah. And, like, that's, like – no offense to the, the youth level or the development academies or even the college game. Like, this is men's football out here. Yeah. And, and so physically, it's, it's tough. Yeah. And so if you're 15, 16 years old and you've been in the system for four years, you've had to compete against, like, we signed Joe Cole when we were at the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Like, you're competing against a Joe Cole. Yeah, Joe Cole, like, yeah. I'll never forget Aronson's first ever game, I think, like starting was against Joe Cole. And Aronson was one of the – he was, I think, 16 years old at the time. <laughs> he was the best player on the field still. Mm-hmm. Like, he just bopped it all around us. Uh, and so that's the opportunity if you think about when you're 16 years old to play against yeah. an individual like that. 
it's it's just very very different right and because not a lot of people in your position have had as good a long look at the USL as you have from I guess taking a, a wide step back from that standpoint is there anything that you'd like to see implemented within the format whether that be a change in playoffs uh, more of a pyramid type thing what what have you noticed that you think could be improved that you might you'd hope to see implemented in, in the next few years or so yeah it's interesting because we're always evolving as a league I think three, four years ago, the standards that you had for player care mm. uh, has just completely changed, right? Player uh, Going through our first collective bargaining agreement, this is the first year we've officially had one as, as a group. So player involvement has happened. I think one thing we can continue to strive for to do better at as a league is, is field quality. Mm. I think having yeah. proper playing surfaces all over uh, this country would be drastically improving it'll improve the quality of, of the field improve the quality of the broadcast mm-hmm. uh and then i think just globally the respect that we would get the quality of the players are strong they're yeah. very very strong it's just when you turn on a broadcast sometimes and you see it on a field it's a it, really good point yeah it's a very I've good never point. thought about yeah. it but it, makes it a little bit challenging and right. so if you see football lines on it or you see the baseball fields lacrosse they had a concert on it, on it right. the night before and there's a stadium <laughs> mark in the middle of it exactly so if we can get better at, at, as a league in that it'll definitely help the one thing i would say if we can get better i would say like within the north american landscape is players being moved from usl to major league soccer right. so if you think about it we're the only league that exists within the world really we struggle moving players from a second division to a first division mm-hmm. uh there's a lot like every other league in the world like whether it's a championship to the prem there's a lot of player movement that goes up for whatever reason we don't have a lot of player movement it's it's, it's become this is probably the best year that we've had in it with like a diego luna that's moved up mm-hmm. within, mm-hmm. within the usl landscape there's going to be more now coming but that would be something that'd be really great to see over the next five years if we have just a plethora of players that are constantly being transferred up to Major League Soccer. As we were saying, too, and this might have been an MVP for a, a different league, but Terzaghi, was he recently named one of the one of the MVPs of a league, but it's a three-time MVP in the same league. So okay. I had that same thought of, would he not want to make an upward move oh, or something? Was it MLS? Two-time, yeah. Two-time, yeah. yeah. But do you think that's down to, I guess, the way the structure of the leagues are set up? Because there is, so you mentioned the championship to the Premier League. And I think a lot of that is because of the ability for these championship clubs to make a jump as a as a whole to that yep. league. Yep. Do you think that that's might that might be where the USL, or I guess US US soccer is falling behind when it comes to the competition of a Charleston Battery could make an MLS jump for a season and then back down? Or do you think that's just not possible in the way our league set up? I think the map is massively big within the United States. Yeah, which you can overcome. It's the stadiums. Yeah, okay. It's the stadiums. At the end of the day, if you're investing into a Major League Soccer franchise and you have a quarter of a billion dollar stadium that you've invested into, and the next year you're relegated down to USL Championship, mm-hmm. like your investment is, 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 is a challenge. Mm-hmm. And I would say the same thing, right? If you're a USL Championship team and relegated down to a League One team, it you, you just it is a very very different landscape. Mm-hmm. I think if if you think about it, these leagues have been around for centuries, right? And so how do we? It, it, it's probably not in my lifetime that we will see something like this, but it, there could be a point in time within the next fifty to sixty years where this globally has this ability to do this promotion relegation. Mm-hmm. It's also very challenging for us from a calendar standpoint 
to flip to an international calendar. Like yeah. that would be something to be really yeah. great from a player transfer stuff. Yep. Yeah, right. But it's hard because are you, like uh, Milwaukee was just announced as a USL championship team. Yeah. You playing soccer in Milwaukee in January? <laughs> Probably oh, not. I better be in the best tundra. side on the planet. <laughs> if I'm playing next to like Gundawan and De Bruyne, yeah, I would consider it. But it's just tough. So it, it, it makes it challenging in that sense, based upon the the just the the different climates that we're faced with. Right. The year. Mm-hmm. I would love to play here in January versus July. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I totally feel that. Um, that's really that's really interesting to hear that in terms of it could be something that's 50, 60 years down the road. But right now, I think kind of mastering it at this level is the most important. You nailed it. Thing I, I to focus it. On. You, you said it. Yeah. Like mastering it at the local level yeah. is going to be the priority for, for us as an organization and, and most of the USL teams. Right? Mm-hmm. Is mastering it, becoming best in class is what we all need to be doing. And it's how we become stronger as a league through our partners, whether it's reaching out to them, what are they doing best practices wise? Mm. Uh, what are we doing? And let's eliminating those mistakes, those misses. Mm-hmm. We can miss on the field in terms of player signings, but mm. we can't miss on the front office side. Right. Um, you mentioned obviously what you look for in a player, but uh, as my understanding, there's no uh, coach at the, at the moment for Charleston yeah. battery. Um, yeah. So when it comes to selecting coaches, what do you look for? There might be more that you look for in a coach than you do in a player. So what kind of talk to that in terms of what you're looking for when yeah. it comes to a coach? I mean, here's what I would say is the amount of names that have come in both domestically and globally for this search has been unbelievable. I, I, I've taken more phone calls than I thought. I'm in the pile. You'll see my <laughs> Tristan Davis. I'm a little underqualified, but <laughs> you would be surprised. I'm a quick learner. <laughs> you would be, you'd be surprised. For me, it's about, uh, it's interesting, and I'm going to refer to Neil Collins quite a bit. Is So when Neil took over at the Rowdies, we'd come from previous coaches that had played as well at, the point, at one point in time in their career. Uh, but what Neil had, it just opened me up. It's somebody who can manage individuals. Someone who could articulate and communicate clearly that end-all, be-all was going to be him. So if you weren't picked for the 11 this week then he's going to tell you why you weren't picked for 11. But it's not like, hey, you weren't picked for 11 because you were terrible on the field. Mm. It's like, hey, you weren't picked for 11 because we need to work on this, this, and this. So you got to be a, a clear communicator, which is extremely, extremely important. You need to learn how to motivate different points in time of the year. So at the beginning of the year, everyone's into it. But if you've gone out game one, you've lost game one, how do we get everyone back into it again? Yeah. If you lost two or three games in the middle of the year, how do you get back into it? Or if you've won 10 in a row, how do you get them to feel that, like, that pressure is pushed off. Like, don't worry about the 11th win. Let's focus on the fundamentals of what we've done right. right. And so, essentially what we're looking for, as weird as it sounds, is a, is, is a C-level executive that happens to be the head coach of the Charleston Battery. Mm. And those are the characteristics that we're looking for. And, and is that is a C-level executive, not a head coach, but a C-level executive mentality that knows how to coach. Mm. Yeah, that's um, we had mentioned the interview we did with the mental coach, mental health coach, and he talked about how even the best managers in the world, they're not out there to give these players. Obviously, there's tactics you implement, and those are important. Those are critical. But the man management goes such a long way. And when you lose that, you lose the players, you lose the dressing room, then your club is going to is going to crumble. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And it's something that's very, very important is to have that mental side of this. And it is so mental, right? Whether you're. In this sport, it is, right? Contracts are pretty much yearly with an option. So 
come August, these guys are like, what's my deal? What am I doing? Where am I at? And instead of focusing on we're going to go play Birmingham this weekend, they're focused on am I going to be here next year? Mm-hmm. So you yeah. need a coach that knows how to control that environment and control where they're at. Again, where the league is developed is more players are now on multi-year deals. More players are on options that are triggered based upon performance. Mm-hmm. And so you're getting away from that one year, one year, one year, and more into a focus of long-term. So you have to have a coach that can see long-term-wise when I'm going to make a decision on a player, mm. I'm going to make a decision where this player is probably going to be with me for two years. I better make the right decision. So I've got to learn how to do that in the recruitment and understand who they are as individuals, not what they do on the field. Yeah, it's so good hearing you try to put yourself in the player's shoes because I feel like at the top level we always say like oh this player just gets axed and then they have to get up move their family whatever around them to kind of like just it upends their life and a lot of people don't understand that and you putting the emphasis on communication and especially with a manager like a lot of managers seem to just talk at players, expect something, but they're never willing to listen. And I think yeah. that's the forgotten piece of communication is, like, if you're not willing to listen to your players when they want to speak to you, like, you're going you're gonna to lose your team. So yeah. uh, that emphasis on communication, I love that. And being just a collegiate player, but it goes along. He's way. also a coach, so he gets it. Yeah. yeah. I, just stepped in and I, I think it's one thing, too. You, you want to throw your name in the hat? <laughs> <laughs> I might as well. <laughs> sure. See a, what happens. I, I, th- I, think, I think the one thing, too, is, is like actively hearing. So it's one thing to listen, but are you actively hearing what somebody's saying mm-hmm. to you to be able to respond Versus just listening and going in this year, out yeah. the next year. Sitting there with the blinders yeah. on. Yeah. You're like, you have your Mai Tai sitting in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. Sitting there having a drink. So, clear. Exactly. Yeah. From, I guess, uh, another general standpoint, is there a, how do you feel about the term five-year plan or ten-year plan? I mean, are those things that you set each season? Do they sort of readjust themselves? Or is it more so I'm focused on the season at hand and making that the most successful it can be? Yeah. I don't believe in five-year plans. Uh, life happens, and you don't know what tomorrow brings. Uh, like, I think if I was 12 months ago sitting in Tampa, Florida, I'd, and my five-year plan was to win a championship and to do it, right? Right. Uh, I didn't think I'd be sitting here today with you three mm-hmm. uh, talking about the Charleston Battery. And so, to, to me, whether this is short-term thinking on, on my end, it's like live in the moment. Mm. Uh, live what's right in front of you, control today because you can impact tomorrow. And that impact tomorrow will then make the impact in the month and the month makes. And, and your your destiny, your opportunities will be written in front of you. You start, and it's no different than a team side. We're going to win the championship. And you lose the first four games, you're like, oh, we can't win the championship. Yeah. Like, it's like, no, we're just going to, we're going to, we're going to win first mm. and we're going to try and make the playoffs, Right. As an organization, we're going to try and continue to put 3,500 people in the stands here on a, on a nightly basis. So you set markers down that are achievable and one foot at a time, right? You don't, clown, you don't climb Everest, like, in one day. Right. I don't think that's oh, possible, right? Nope. Yeah, you climb it like, Got the one base, base camp camps. at a time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Altitude. Base camp at a time. Messi could do it, probably. But, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's different. Right? <laughs> he's not from here. He's from <laughs> Exactly. From the moon or something. So that's that, right? Like, I don't really believe in the five year. I believe in like more or less a year. Mm. But like, you need to hit markers all along the way to get to that year. Great. So you mentioned before we started recording, you've been here a little over a week, right? Week full time. Week full time. Yeah, week full time. Uh, commuted back and forth for 
six weeks. Yeah. Call it. You a golfer? I I try. Dig it up sometimes. <laughs> I I try. I try. I've gotten one round since I've been here, which was it was great. I was gonna say, have you had a moment to sort of take it all in? I'm sure it's yeah. been all guns blazing since you've landed. I mean, not even just with, with the soccer, but with the moving yeah. in, family yeah. getting everybody acclimated. Everybody's in school, I imagine. So, yeah. have you had a moment to kind of just? breathe and take it all in yet or not quite yet not quite but kind of mm. uh so this was the first weekend we had as a family so wife uh and two girls were nice. all here for the kind of that first time together we've been in and out but not in the house and mm. like usually in a hotel or um an airbnb and so this was so this was the first weekend to kind of just take it all in and it, it was it was great to not worry about like I'm on a plane on Monday to, yeah. to go away from somewhere. It happened to be a great weekend. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful, perfect but visit. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's been a it's, it's a great city. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, you can walk around downtown and find uh, a restaurant of your liking of any choice of food that you want. Uh, the beaches are really close, which are absolutely mm. fantastic. Uh, and there's plenty of golfing that eventually I'll be able to enjoy a little bit more uh, than, than what I've currently done. But I've gotten one round here uh, in six weeks nice. versus, like, I couldn't tell you last time in Tampa. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> All the courses are frozen up in Massachusetts now, so. Yeah, it's ice golf. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be ice golf. I think it's called hockey. I, I, something like that. <laughs> yeah. Some hybrid of the two would probably be a pretty good sell. But Happy Gilmore. Yeah. That one. And we have two recommendations of Home Team Barbecue. You're also a fan yourself. It sounds yeah. like we should probably go to Home Team Barbecue before. Like yeah. yeah. And they're, they're a partner of ours, too. So you can yep. tell them. Yep. Uh, we'll you, tell them Lee sent us. <laughs> sure Who's that guy? Yeah, we got uh, yeah. From Tampa Bay Rowdies? No, that was that Diamond Dasher <laughs> from yeah. last We're weekend. actually not going to serve you here. Yeah. Yeah. That guy didn't pay for his ribs last time he was here. Real quick, before we guess wrap it up uh talk to us about the fan supporters group i know the regiment's very big one of the oldest i think the oldest fan group there's three supporters groups at the club queen's and queen anne's revenge yeah uh and so listen like intense probably yeah i mean there's, there's a lot of passion that comes out of that supporter section right there uh, and that's right results haven't been the greatest in the last two years yeah. and they still come in droves to support this club right they're still giving me their advice uh, last game of the season <laughs> I had like four I'm like so you know who we want is coming. lucky you <laughs> how fortunate of you to get the advice of a hundred experts <laughs> Everyone's dream, uh, and 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 they're doing it from a, a place of care. Right? Yeah, and that, and I think the one thing that made this unique opportunity for me even more special is like not to you know kind of uh, back myself, but coming from the Rowdies and a historical brand, like I don't really believe there's another person that can steward this and understand to go from one brand from 1975 inception to a brand that's like 30 years consecutive. Mm. There's a true sense of, I understand what this club means to the fans that have been a part of this organization from start till today. And so that's where I will pride myself on is connecting the modern fan with the original fan and blending them all together. Because if this club is going to go and grow, it's going to take all of us. Mm. That's beautifully said. 
Honestly. Love to get down for, to a game. I think yeah. I think that's we'll make it that's happen. definitely uh, a push for for next season to come down. You, the opening night, you guys are doing the broadcast here, right? Oh, well, get us in the booth. Get us I'm, in the booth. I'm singing the national anthem, <laughs> and then I have to go do the broadcast. I thought you were coaching. <laughs> I have to coach as well. I was like, maybe take a corner if need be. Seems like the Howlers podcast <laughs> is taking <laughs> over. <laughs> yeah, seems like the Howlers podcast is taking over Charleston Battery. Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, here's what I'll say: this sport needs more individuals like you guys. Uh, for every person that I know that we can help recommend that you get an opportunity to go down and, and speak with, like you're the reason. So yeah, there's the FIFA element, but it's individuals like you that are taking this sport and growing it and growing it because you have a care and a passion for it. At the end of the day, this sport doesn't grow without you three just as much as it does with us. Yeah, we have the organization, but it's because you three are here sitting in this market right now help we have the roadcast yeah. <laughs> that means a lot no we really i really appreciate that oh and goodness. we definitely would love to come down and and see what we can do to support obviously continue supporting the battery and the, the league as a whole so yeah great oh yeah anything you can share with the fans that you got planned for next season some maybe that they haven't seen yet i, I hear that this New place kids. is still on the up there's still <laughs> lots of plans in it place is. for patriots point it is. there is there's, there's a lot of good development let's just leave it at that if you came to the season finale you saw what this place could be. Mm. Uh, it was the first time they've sold out under the new ownership group, the largest crowd they've had on the ownership group, uh, most individuals that came through the building. And so that's the way I'm looking at it. Is like we ended, for all of 2022's inefficiencies, mm. we ended 2022 on an absolute high that is just going to take this club moving in this direction. So uh, you're going to want to be here as 17 times next year, plus three playoff games, mm. plus uh, every opportunity. Save us can. a seat. I, yeah. Listen, yeah. I, I, I thought you battery. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we're, we're very, very excited what this offseason is going to be because it's just going to continue to propel, propel this club. Well, absolutely amazing of you to sit down with us. Really, really appreciate it. Howler Spotlight, episode five. That's complete. See you all folks later. Thank you for joining the Howlers Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe. Don't forget to check out our link tree and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Twitch, and YouTube. See you all soon. Bye-bye.